You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From July the 26th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinfolk. And he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? And he answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs of water to their father's flock. But some shepherds came and drove them away. Moses got up and came to their defense, watered their flock. And when they returned to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come back so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Where is he? Why did you leave this man? Invite him to break bread. But Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore a son, and he named him Gershon, for he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. And after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. And out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites. God took notice of them. He was just a boy, maybe eight or nine years old, something like that, when he fell into an abandoned well. Down, 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 down he fell. He was fortunate not to be injured from the fall itself. It was so far deep into the well. And at eight or nine years old, now he's lying at the bottom of this well. And he has disrupted the residents of the well. Bats. And so lying there on the bottom of the well, terrified from the fall, a swarm, thousands of bats, decide to wake up from their daytime slumber and surround him and swarm around him. Oh, these bats around him, terrifying the young boy. His father rescued him promptly, but the experience left him traumatized. He was terrified of bats. Now, fast forward a few days or maybe a couple of months, something like that, and the young boy goes with his parents to a play. And in the middle of the play, the young boy, he's eight or nine, he's sitting between his parents, 
And in the play, the actors are all dressed in black. Some of them are dressed in black, and they're kind of swinging around on ropes, kind of flying around, and it reminds him of the bats. And he, he begins to look like he's about to have a panic attack, right? And he, he turns to his parents, and he, he says, can we go, can we go? And, and they say, okay, son, no, no, no worries, Bruce. And so Bruce, young Bruce, and his parents leave the theater out the side door into an alleyway beside the theater. When they come upon a thief, a criminal, and this thief pulls a gun on young Bruce and his parents, demands his father's wallet, wants his mother's pearls, and he gets spooked during all of it. And, and the criminal shoots his dad and shoots his mom, killing his parents right there in front of him. And young Bruce is now an orphan. And so goes the story, the beginning of the story of Batman. Batman! Thank you. All right. <laughs> so begins the story. This is in Batman Begins. I forget what year it was released, but that's the beginning of Batman, his origin story. His trauma, his early trauma, forms who he will become. And so this Batman Begins is kind of a, a, an exploration, sort of a psychological inquiry into what formed Bruce Wayne to make him want to be this Batman. So we know the story from there, Batman. He, Bruce Wayne goes on. He, he studies um, overseas. He studies martial arts. He kind of leaves his uh, Gotham City and everything he knows for a while. As a young man, he studies martial arts overseas so that when he comes back, he can be Batman. You see, our experience forms us. What we've been through, what we've endured, what we've learned, how we've grown— our experience forms us. When Bruce Wayne comes back to Gotham City, into Bruce uh, Wayne Manor, I think it is, he decides to confront his fear. And so he, he clears away the vines that have overgrown this well on his family's property. And he gets some rope and he goes spelunking down, down, down into the same well he fell in as a child. And sure enough, once he's down at the bottom of the well, now a grown man, facing his fear, he stands there at the bottom of the well as the bats swarm around him, flying around him. And this time, he's nervous at first, but he gathers his strength. And he stands there in the middle of this swarm of bats, calm. It's called exposure therapy. When you force yourself to confront the thing you're afraid of, right? He's standing there in the bats, and he's calm. He becomes Batman. He ends up taking on the criminals of Gotham City, kind of like the one who shot his parents so many years ago. But Batman, he's not a police officer. Batman is a vigilante, isn't he? Kind of outside of the law, Batman has his own sense of justice. And he enacts his own sense of justice as a vigilante outside the law. Today, in our scripture lesson, we encounter a fellow who kind of has his own sense of justice, doesn't he? Moses 
In this passage, he's all grown up. He's 40 years old, we learn in a different place. He's 40 years old, and he decides to take justice into his own hands. And so one day, he finds uh, an Egyptian beating one of his kinsmen, a Hebrew. And what does he do? He murders him in cold blood. This is not legal. This is outside the law. Moses is a vigilante. And so he kills this Egyptian. And then the next day, he finds two of his kinsmen arguing, fighting, and he confronts the one in the law. See, see his sense of justice? He's got to tackle this. He's, he, he's got this strong sense of justice. And so he confronts the fellow. And the Hebrew says, who are you? Are you going to kill one of us too? And Moses realized that his crime has been discovered. And he realized Pharaoh is ready to execute him, to kill him for his crime. And so what does he do? He runs away, runs away from Pharaoh. Now he's a vigilante and now he's a fugitive. He's running from the law. And as he's away now from Egypt, he's in a foreign land, and he finds these seven women in trouble because of some shepherds giving them a hard time. And Moses, true to his nature, with his own sense of justice, right, he steps in and protects these young women drawing water for their father's flock. Well, this helps him out because the women go back and they tell their father, and he ends up getting a wife out of this deal. Not only that, he ends up getting a job for the next 40 years as he tends his father-in-law's flock. So now, Moses is in Midian, and he is a shepherd, just hanging out with sheep, kind of a low-level sort of job. He's, for 40 years, working as a hired hand to his father-in-law. He's living as a... He's a fugitive. He's a foreigner. They don't know if he's Egyptian or Hebrew. They call him Egyptian, but really he's Hebrew. Poor Moses isn't, he doesn't fit in much of anywhere. But Moses, we can kind of get a psychological profile for what formed him to be, to have this sense of justice, right? We remember the backstory, Moses as a little baby. Pharaoh was concerned that the Israelites, the Hebrews, were were gaining too many numbers that they could overthrow Egypt. And so Pharaoh decided to take care of that and enact a little bit of population control by killing off newborn boys. So Moses' mother, in the middle of this, kind of keeps Moses, hides him for three months, and then she can't hide him anymore. She places him in a basket and puts him in the river, in the reeds. This is trauma number one for Moses. Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe in the river. She finds the baby in the basket. She decides that she wants this cute baby. I got to have me this baby. So so she claims Moses for her own, but needs a nursemaid. And so Moses' sister is watching a little bit, sees Pharaoh claim this baby. And she says, "I, I I can find somebody to nurse the baby for you from the Hebrew women. And Pharaoh's daughter says, that's a great idea. So guess who gets to nurse him? his own mother. And so his own mother is nursing him, and then he is weaned, and Pharaoh's daughter claims him back again, trauma number two. So there's some early trauma for Moses. Moses may have been the only of his male peers that survived that whole slaughter of the newborn babies in Egypt. 
And now he's in Midian. Now he's hanging out, being a shepherd, for his, working for his father-in-law. Moses in Midian isn't exactly living up to his potential, is he? Back home in Egypt, he's kind of famous. Pharaoh's court knows him. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He's known among the Hebrews. He's maybe infamous. He's well known in Egypt, but in Midian, he's nobody. He's just a shepherd. He's just a hired hand, a foreigner, a migrant. You ever feel like Moses in Midian? (laughs) Kind of hanging out where you feel like you might not even belong, where you're not living into your potential or haven't yet fully realized what God has called and is calling you to do. You're just kind of hanging out, you know, maybe working the life situation that chose you instead of the other way around. And at this time and the year of our Lord, 2020, I feel like we're all a little bit like that. None of us chose to be living in the middle of a pandemic. This situation chose us. And so here we are in this middle of this pandemic kind of hanging out. Kind of just, we're on pause. We're on hold. We're not doing all the things that we feel like we want and could be doing. We're sort of in limbo. We're in liminal space. The summer between, between what was before the pandemic and whatever will be next. And that's the conversation that's happening in smaller circles. What's next? We just don't know. And so we're hanging out in Midian, not quite living up to our potential. Moses was in Midian for 40 years. Oh, Lord, let it not be so. <laughs> Let's hope this thing doesn't last for 40 years. But I want you to think about Moses in Midian. God used that time where Moses thought he was uh, just kind of hanging out, not really doing much, not living into his calling, but God was forming him. Because think about this. As a shepherd, he would be days at a time out in the wilderness with the flock, helping them find a place to graze, food to eat, water to drink. Moses knew where all the rivers and all the streams were, didn't he? Moses probably knew where the fig trees and the olive groves were located. He knew where the verdant fields would be in the springtime. He knew how to take the flock to higher elevations in the summer so it wasn't so hot. Moses, for 40 years, would be learning the land into which God would lead the Hebrew people for the next 40 years. Moses couldn't have known that that's what was happening. He was learning this land that he would eventually lead the people back to. He knew the land he could lead two, three million Hebrew people in this land because he knew the land. He just thought he was herding some sheep. So I wonder if we're Moses and Midian, if we're just kind of hanging out, doing our routine going through the things that we know how to do, our daily stuff, our lives, as we're kind of muddling through this thing. How might God be forming us for whatever is next? And we can't know what is next. We just can't. We don't have a crystal ball to tell us what comes next. We only know today and what God requires of us today. And what does God require of us today? I have a couple of thoughts about that. Number one, 
What does God require of us today? Number one is to stay alive. And this is perfectly scriptural. Moses in Midian, the reason he's in Midian is why? To stay alive. He's in Midian so that Pharaoh won't kill him. And so the thing that God requires of us right now is to stay alive, to do what it takes to make sure we protect ourselves from anything that threatens, depending on our risk factors and our risk tolerance and all of that. We are to stay alive. We can't do anybody any good from a hospital bed or a deathbed, can we? So task number one is to stay alive. Simple, right? This is a strange sermon. Usually I'm saying, go out, go out and minister. And This is a strange sermon because I'm asking you just, I'm asking you to stay alive. Second thing I believe we're required to do during this time is to grow deep. I have a sense that people in our culture today are about a mile wide and an inch deep, if you know what I mean. And I think the reason why, or at least part of the reason why, is we fill our minds with so much media, we hardly ever find ourselves silent, in silence. Moses out there in the desert for 40 years with the sheep, he had time to think, he had time to pray, and there was enough quiet and solitude so that he could hear and listen and respond to the still, small voice of God. This is giving us a time to think, a time to pray, a time to be still and know that God is God. So stay alive, grow deep, and finally, number three, to be patient. Moses was in Midian for 40 years. We're only about four or five months into this thing. We're not even halfway there, I don't think. We're not even halfway through our time in Midian. And so we are being required to be patient with one another, with life as it has been over these past few months and must continue to be over the next few months. We're required to be patient. And most of all, with ourselves. And with that, I want to encourage you to be gentle with you during this time. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't... Uh, don't rake yourself over the coals for not accomplishing or not doing or not being or, or, or whatever. Be patient with you. Be gentle with you. So be patient. Grow deep. Stay alive. And I close with the words from a song from Hamilton. Sorry, I'm a little obsessed. <laughs> One of my favorite songs. Look around, look around. How lucky we are to be alive right now. The fact that you're alive is a miracle. Just stay alive. And that would be enough. Be patient. Grow deep. Stay alive. That would be enough. You are enough. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he, he will direct your path, child of God. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.